for a period of time in my life, I thought the Lord might be leading me to, to go to California and to minister there, the land of my nativity. I was born up the coast um, between L.A. and San Francisco along the coast. I was telling A.J. this on, on Tuesday. I was born in the little town of San Luis Obispo uh, there along the coast, and I thought for a while that the Lord would, uh, was calling me to go back to California and uh, to minister there, but the Lord had other plans, and I'm thankful at the same time, we know there's a lot of negativity about California. Uh, we know that there's a lot of liberal politics, but there are sinners there who need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there are believers out there who need to be fed. And A.J. is there. He's been there for several years planting a church. And uh, we are thankful for the opportunity to hear a little bit about that ministry, for him to share the word of God with us this morning. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I... Uh like to sing one more song together, no solo here. My favorite song is God is So Good. And I like singing that, it also calms my nerves. And so if I drop out, you just keep singing, all right? God is so good, ready? God is so good. loves me so he Just the ladies, he's coming soon. He's coming soon. Amen. Even so. pastor for the privilege and opportunity just wanted to take a few moments and give you a quick update or information about our ministry and so I'd ask you to turn to Exodus chapter 32 I want to share two verses from here just by way of diving into um, our Sunday school lesson I don't take this lightly pastor I'm sure loves preaching and teaching and uh, for him to share the pulpit this morning is a tremendous blessing and uh, he's nervous right now, so let's help him get through it. You say, what do you mean he's nervous? We don't know each other very well, um, and he's living by faith. And I'm going to honor, of course, the Lord, but I'm going to do my best to honor you and the church as well. So if you meet my people in my church, don't say he's so nice, because they don't know that. But you guys might think that. 
Exodus chapter 32. I was born and raised four and a half miles from where our church is now. I grew up in Compton, California and got saved through ultimately their outreach of the bus ministry and the Christian school ministry. And uh, um, most churches have a desire when they reach children on the van or the buses, uh, they have a desire to reach the whole family. And we were that family. My mom and dad got saved and uh, it was a blessing. I'm just going to fast forward, but through the Christian school and everything. But in Bible camp, summer camp, I decided to give my life to the Lord. Almost. I said, Lord, I'll do whatever, whenever, with whoever, and I'll do anything you want, except pastor in L.A. And I meant that as if that was, like, acceptable. I'll do anything but this, but anything else, Lord. And God, um, someone said, God has a sense of humor. Um, I look in the mirror and agree. And so God has called me back home to a place that I really, I really hate. I hate Los Angeles. I grew up there. I hate Los Angeles. I hate the politics. I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate, but I love the Lord. And God, God loves the people of LA and he loves the people of the world. He died for the world. And Moses was taken from the backside of the desert to go back home to rescue his people, rescue God's people. And in the midst of that, they exit. That's why we call it Exodus. They leave Egypt. They're heading to the promised land. And there was ups and downs and ups and downs and ups and downs. And at this particular point, Exodus 32, there's a down. And there was times where God says, okay, that's it. I'm done with your people. And then there's times where Moses says, I'm done with your people. In this particular time, Moses and God are interacting on behalf of God's people and this is what Moses says in Exodus chapter 32, verse 32. Yet now, in fact, look at verse 31. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. They even called those gods of gold led by Aaron. These be the gods that led us out of Egypt. And so they're worshiping them and they're mingling the world and mingling the world and, and mingling God's worship together. And they built a calf and then they build an altar and say, we're going to worship the Lord and yet have this calf because this calf is, represents the gods that got us out of Egypt. And it's a real big mess. And Moses comes down and he sees this and he has a conversation with the Lord in verse 30. But look at verse 31. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Verse 32, yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and then there's a dash. I call those God moments where you just don't know what to say or you do know what you're about to say, but you're making sure what you're about to say is really what you want to say. And he has this God moment. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and then he says, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. And the Lord said unto Moses, whosoever hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. The reason I bring this up is because literally that's what I read this morning in my secret place. I'm going through Exodus for myself. And I was reading that and I thought, Lord, as much as I hate L.A., 
I love L.A. And it's not because of all the entrapments of L.A., but it's because of the people. And God died for them. There's people all the way down from homeless all the way to the extremely rich and famous in the same zip code. And God died for all of them. And so when I was on my way to L.A. about 10 years ago with my wife and at the time eight children, and we have 12. We're going to grow that church one way or the other. (laughs) All right. And uh, when we were on our way to Los Angeles, there was a sermon I heard in the state of Oklahoma, a preacher I'd never met, and I've never met him since. I don't even know his name. And I was just passing through, and he preached a message about the net that break and how many fish got away. And it broke my heart because I felt like I was running from L.A. And the years that I ran, how many fish got away? And I can tell you story after story of those we've seen saved, those we've seen baptized. I didn't know, Pastor, that when we started the church that we would do funerals. I just, you don't think about that when you're, I'm going to pastor and we're going to reach the world and no one's going to die. Everyone's going to, no idea that sickness was a thing. And that people that we got to see saved, see baptized, we would do their funeral. And then I, I really understood the passage where it says we sorrow. Not as those that have no hope, but we do sorrow. And it is a blessing to know there's people in heaven because there's a church that wasn't there 10 years ago that's there now. And it's such a blessing to reach people. But I'd encourage you, it's not the lesson this morning, although it could have been. Um, I want to encourage you for the people that you know. Be their Moses. You cannot die for them. Jesus already did. You can't experience hell for them, thank God. Jesus already paid that price. But Moses was so broken for his people that he was willing to have a dash and just stop and yet still go forward. And say, God blot me out. And we know, I, I believe Paul did that as well. And just said, you know, for my people. And that's after Romans 8, which is an amazing passage. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And then Romans 9, he says, but if you'll remove me for them. It's pretty amazing. How deep is your burden for your city, your Jerusalem, your own family? I love the fact that even though there's a guest, pastor said, no, we're going to talk about prayer. I love that. I know he wanted to get me up quick, but at the same time, there's things that are far more important than getting me up. That's a blessing to be able to pray on behalf of God's people and other people. And so we're there. I would ask you to pray for us. We, we, the November, December was awesome. Visitors and, and um, have a little bit of momentum. We were really wiped clean after that thing we don't like to talk about a few years ago. I don't even like to say that word. It's like leprosy. Um, but it just wiped us clean. I mean, Los Angeles is still under the gra- or stronghold of some of the issues of a couple years ago. And so we're... we're we're still in it, and I, I thank God for it. And so I'm going to slip over into Sunday school now. And so I love Sunday school. I think it's completely different than the worship hour, the preaching hour. And uh, the Bible says one of the qualifications for a pastor is that he's apt to teach. Not necessarily that he's a teacher, but he's at least apt to teach. And I love teaching. I love preaching, but I love teaching as well. And so this morning, one of the best things about school is incorporating everybody. And so you're actually going to teach the lesson until I take over right toward the end. And so here's what we're going to do. I have a question. Um, Hopefully I don't mess up by walking away. But I have a question for you. Um, 
in the ministry that Jesus had, he performed many miracles. And so I need your help with that. You're going to tell me a miracle that he performed. And I might need your help, Pastor, so you be ready. But you'll tell me a miracle that he performed, and we'll talk about it. And I'm going to build something up by the time we get to the end of Sunday school. But I need your help. So one of the miracles that Jesus performed in his ministry. Don't think Old Testament. We're talking about while he was walking on the face of the earth. Yes. Water and the wine. That is the first miracle, right? So they're at the wedding. The disciples were there. Mary was there. And they ran out of grape juice. They ran out of wine. And so Mary comes to Jesus, her son, and says, son, they're out of wine. And Jesus replied this way. Mom, this is AJV right here, all right? Mom, I'm not supposed to do this stuff yet. And she looks as only a mom can. And he melts as only a son will. And then she turns around. And then Nike stole this slogan. She says, just do it. Whatever he says to do, do it. And so they did that. And he turned the water into wine. And the disciples were there for this. You're going to notice in almost all of these miracles, probably all of them, some or all of the disciples were there. And I'm going somewhere with this. Good. Who else? The man with the withered hand. Um, I, I love that story when I tell it to kids because he says something to the effect of, these are my words, but basically, can you make my hand like the other one? And I said, and Jesus did, and so they both were withered. And their kids were like, what? <laughs> but the reality is he healed the man with the withered hand. And it's amazing because the man himself knew he couldn't do it. Physicians couldn't do it. That's something that only God could do. Only God the Son can do. And some or all of the disciples were there. Who else? Another miracle. Yes. He raised Lazarus. I love this story. This is in John 11. And so Jesus is, if you will, out of town. They send words. Hey, Lazarus is sick. Jesus stays put with the disciples. He, after a while, decides, okay, it's time to go. And he finds out, but he's dead. Well, don't worry about it, guys. Let's go. So they get there. Martha comes and runs out, finds out Jesus is close. And she says, uh, Lord, if you had been here, he wouldn't be dead. And totally my opinion, but I almost feel like she was accusing him. I may be wrong, and that's fine. Don't get lost in that. But I feel like it was more of a just, oh, if you had been here, I, uh, maybe not. But regardless, a little bit later, Mary comes out and says the same exact thing. And totally my opinion, but I think she was more broken, like, oh, if you had been here. One way or the other, it's true. If you had been here, the disciples were there, and he says, uh, ultimately, move the stone. And then they said, I know you're God, and you may have forgotten how things happen here, but if we move the stone, he stinketh. And Jesus said, just move the stone. So they do that. And then he shouts out, Lazarus, come forth. And somebody far smarter than me a long time ago said, if he didn't say Lazarus, all the dead would have risen. I don't know if that's true, but it's fun to think about. And so Lazarus gets up and he comes out. How does he come out? Did he walk out? No, he's like a mummy. So he kind of comes hopping out. You can see I teach kids more than adults. And he comes hopping out. Here's the awesome thing. He tells them to roll the stone away. 
And the disciples and the others were like, no, 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 he, he stinketh, he's dead. And he says, just, just do it. So they do it. The disciples, even maybe in their disbelief or confusion, went ahead and rolled the stone away. Jesus does what only he can do. Then he looks back at the disciples and he says this, loose them and let them go. It's amazing. We have a job to do. Ultimately, God can only do what God can only do, but he still uses us and chooses to use us. So the disciples were there for that one, too. Who else? I saw a hand over here. All the way in the back, yes. I thought you were sleeping all on the wall. It was awesome. All right. Yeah, I love that story. I usually have to get the kids up and make them fall down. It's awesome. But you guys want to fall down this morning? <laughs> I know. If I fall down, I won't be able to get up. My father-in-law's here. So, all right. So, um, but yeah, that's absolutely. You know, what's neat about that, too, is while they were in there, when a lot of people pick on Peter, I don't, mostly because I feel like I'm him. But when he pulled out a sword and cut off Malchus's ear, right, and Jesus picked it up and put it back on, a lot of people pick on him. But just a few chapters before, Jesus told them, if you have two coats, sell one, get a sword. Get a sword. There's a time to, I love the Second Amendment. We don't have time for that. But... Get a sword. Even in California, I do. I've got certain shirts and people are like, are you from here? Yes. Born and raised. Don't let me prove it. All right. So, but he says, get a sword. So people pick on him, but he's just all in. I kind of like guys that are all in, even if they're all wrong sometimes. They're all in. I like that. We can work with that. Hot, 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 hot. All in. I like it. How about another one? Oh, the disciples were there, obviously, by the way. Multiple times he fed the multitude. And depending on which one you pick, the disciples, some or all the disciples were there. I mean, the little boy with the, with the fish and bread, and they had leftovers. That's what I'm talking about, leftovers. We eat every week at our church, every Sunday. So our schedule is Sunday school, Sunday morning, we eat, and then we have an afternoon service. And then Thursday, our prayer meeting Bible study, we eat and have prayer meeting Bibles. We eat every time. And I can't stand it when we run out of anything. Especially with a family of 14, it's every now and then, like once a year, someone's dumb enough to have us over for lunch. And they invite us, and they cook, and we're like, oh, man. So then we have to go through a, you know, fast food on the way home because they just weren't ready. But we like to have too much. We like to have too much. And we're always thankful. Always thankful. Outside. All right, anyway. You know, good. But that's good. Many times he fed the multitude. Um, and, and almost... All, if not every time, some or all of the disciples were there. I'm going somewhere with these disciples here. That's good. How about another miracle? Yes, ma'am. The woman with the issue of blood. Yeah, probably, possibly, at least this Sunday, my favorite story of these. Uh, next Sunday is probably something different. But, um, you know, so she said the woman who had an issue of blood. I didn't know this. It was the first sermon I preached at our church when we started the church. It's Saturday night. First service is tomorrow, Sunday, and I don't have a message. We were so, I mean, we're passing out flyers, we're securing the building, we're doing all this stuff, and I'm thinking, Lord, tomorrow is the day I need a message, and the Lord gave me this message, and I entitled it, Pardon the Interruption, because I didn't know that that story was actually an interruption to another story. You're familiar with the story with the woman who touched the hem of his garment? And then he says, who touched me? 
And the disciples, some or all that were there, were like, Jesus, everyone's touched you. What are you talking about? That's an interruption to a story. There's a man whose daughter was sick who comes to Jesus and humbly says, if you don't mind, would you come to my house? My daughter's sick. And Jesus says, yes, that must have been awesome. So they're on their way, but there was a great throng, a multitude of people all around. So they're moving rather slow, like a wedding march. And you're like, hurry up. We want to see the bride. And they're going down. We don't care about you guys. Hurry up. They're moving slow. And then on the way, dad is probably thinking, come on. Come on, babe. Hold on, babe. Hold on. He's coming. And then he stops. Who touched me? And they look around, and there's a woman on her hands, and he's, it's me. <laughs> so she tells her story. And at, at the point of the end of it, I'm healed. As soon as I touched you, I just, and everyone's like, yes, this is awesome. She's healed. I remember her. Every time I go to the clinic, she's there. Every lady in town knew who she was. And everyone's excited that she's healed except for daddy. And dad's over here going, come on. And then dad's servants come. And they say this, trouble not the master. Hey, by the way, we can't trouble the master. They said, trouble not the master, for your daughter's dead. Before he had a chance to let all the emotions out that no doubt he was getting ready to, Jesus says, be of faith, don't worry, let's go. And he tells everyone else, you guys stay put. We're going to actually walk normal speed now. He gets to the house. They have the hired mourners there, mourning. And uh, he says, oh, it's okay, she's just sleeping. So the mourners become mockers. So he kicked them out. And then he performs the miracle. Some or all the disciples were there. And she gets up and he says this. Go get her the fried chicken. I'm pretty sure that's what he said anyway. But he said, feed her. That's awesome. Some or all of the disciples were there for that. It's good stuff. How about another? I got to watch the time. Let me get my brain up here. Oh, we're doing good. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Best line for me in that is even the winds and the seas obey. We teach good doctrinal songs to our children, like, he's got the whole world in his hand. Yeah, that's good doctrine. He does. Even the winds and seas obey him. It's amazing. One of the greatest, well, I won't say that because I would give away my punchline, so I'm going to leave that one there. But good, good. I saw another hand. Yes. Yeah. One of your favorite, you fishermen, one of the best questions. Jesus, children, have you any meat? You know what they said inside? Children, have you any meat? <laughs> ah, who's this guy? No. Why don't you cast your net on the other side? Why don't you cast your net on the other side? I don't know what they thought, but that's what I would have thought. But they did it. Soon as they're bringing in the drought, big, big, they realize, John, it's Jesus. Peter's like, I'm naked. That doesn't, this isn't good. So he gets dressed, jumps in the water, swims back in. They come back in. <laughs> They've toiled all night trying to catch fish. And Jesus has, I'm pretty sure it wasn't, but catfish on the fire. Just ready to go. And he says this to the disciples. Come and die. Come and die. Wow. 
That's just one of the stories. Uh, I like the tax story. I love it. Yeah, put your hand down. I got it. Uh, that's awesome. When he goes in, you know, just go, go, go get a, go get a fish. Just well, there's a fish. Yeah, what? And that's already a miracle. Then you pull out a coin. Wow. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. The ten lepers, one of my favorite. We'll, we'll end with this one. Uh, the ten lepers, maybe. Maybe we'll do another. But ten lepers, I love that one too. Um, oh, so Jesus is coming. The ten lepers are there. What are you supposed to say as lepers when someone's coming your way? Unclean. You know what they said? Master. They knew it was Jesus. So he comes. They asked for healing and he didn't do it immediately. Something special about importunity. Continuing. Ask, seek, knock. Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. Knock. Those words are in the continuum. Keep asking. Ask. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. So anyway, they ask for a healing. And he says, okay, I want you to go back into town. Go see the priest. So they were living by faith. They weren't healed. But on their way, at some point, one, I don't know how it worked out, but in my little pea brain, one of them looked at the other and said, your ear's back. And when they pointed, they're like, my finger's back. Now, all of a sudden, that leprosy was gone. Nine of them probably had a little more of a pep in their step and kept going. And I don't pick on them. People say they weren't thankful. And the scripture does obviously express that the one was thankful. But I'm sure they were kind of thankful. It's just like at Thanksgiving, it's called Thanksgiving, not thanks receiving. There is something about giving thanks that expresses real thankfulness. Regardless, the nine go running. The one comes back, comes down to the feet, worships the Lord. And he accepted that because he am God. The angels are like, no, get up. I'm just like you. God said, go ahead. You're good. You're right where you belong. I'm God. So he worships him. And uh, he heals him. And you know what he does? Even though he went back and thanked God, he still had to get up and do what he was assigned to do. The assignment didn't change. But he paused to go back and thank God. That's good. I love that story. One more. I fibbed in church. One more. Yes. Demon possessed man put in the tombs. That one? Is that what the one you're thinking? Oh, okay, yeah, that one too. This most that's why which one? I'm thinking I like the tomb one mostly because I'm a church planner. Think about it. He gets healed. Uh, they go into town because they saw the swine go off. They go into town to tell everybody, and the town comes out, they see him clothed at the feet of Jesus and in his right mind. Then they they kick Jesus out after that miracle. They kicked him out. The, the demon-possessed man looks at Jesus and says, I want to go with you. They're getting in the ship, and he's like, I want to go with you. And Jesus said, no. I've never wanted to live in, I'm serious, I've never wanted to live in Indiana. But I wanted to be close to my in-laws and family. My parents live six hours south, just south of Nashville. That's my kind of snow. Like, today's snow is my kind of snow. The real stuff, I, I don't want that. This is as much as I'll take, where it's like, oh, man, that's a bummer. And we keep going. The real stuff you guys have, no. <laughs> We're leaving Tuesday, so you can have it. But I, I, I have multiple times inquired of the Lord. Can we just live in Tennessee? Six hours away from my, my, my wife's side of the family. My family's here. 
and I've gotten multiple no's. And you know what Jesus told that once demon-possessed man? He needs to go back home and tell them how great things I've done for you. But even in that story and the one you mentioned, the disciples were there. Some or all of the disciples were there. So here's the lesson this morning, and I'm done. The lesson is simple. You've got four points, one verse. The lesson is simple. Out of all the things the disciples saw, they didn't ask very, at least in the Bible, didn't have very many questions that they requested from the Lord, things they requested from the Lord. But one of them, they didn't say, you know, Jesus, you turn the water into wine. I would love to do that and start my own business, you know, help with the ministry. They didn't do that. You know, Peter got to walk on water. I've been itching to try that, Lord. They didn't do that. You know, we've been casting out devils, but there was that this kind, that fasting and prayer. Can we skip the fasting and just, because I'm kind of that guy. But anyway, uh, they, they didn't ask those questions. This is what they said. Luke 11.1. 1. Go there. That's our text this morning. It will be quick and then I'm done. Out of all the things they could have requested. And this isn't their only request, but this is the one that I want to emphasize this morning. Luke chapter 11. Out of everything the disciples saw, they were with him. John says that there's no book that can contain all that Jesus did, all the miracles. The disciples were in and around and through all of it and even used to do some. But here's what they said in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. They said, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. A few months ago, I, I asked the Lord to help me in the area of my prayer life. And I made a commitment to the Lord. I did it this morning. I do it every morning. I made a commitment to the Lord that I'm not going to let another day go by where I don't pray for my wife by name and my children by name. If no one in the world is praying for my wife by name, at least God should hear her name from me. I have 12 children. If no one in the world is praying for them by name, at least God should hear from dad their name. And out of all the miracles that the disciples saw, and there's many, many more that we didn't even list, they came down to understanding that the source of his strength was his secret place, was his prayer closet, was his war room. The Bible says again, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And so quickly, I just want to encourage you in the area of prayer. I made a commitment um, a few months ago as well to pray an hour before I eat. So I'm not allowed to eat unless I've prayed an hour. And there's only been a few days where I'm like, Lord, is it okay? But for the most part, I'm not going to eat until I've prayed an hour in that day. So why would you do that? Because there's a Bible verse that, no. It's just I felt so broken about my pathetic, anemic prayer life. And this is as a pastor. It was a few years ago, 2018, that I finally decided to never miss a day again of my Bible reading. I was already a youth pastor for about 10 years, pastoring now, and I was, I mean, it's, I, I liken preaching and teaching to a chef. So here's my recipe book. 
And so I'll study and cook messages and deliver them and the sheep eat. And every now and then, oh yeah, it needs a little more salt and oh, it needs a little more pepper. I get a little nibble here and there, but for the most part, I'm dishing it out. And have you ever seen a good skinny chef? Like never, never. And as a pastor, I was anemic. Oh, I'm dishing it out. Oh, good message, pal. That's good. That's good. And I'm dying on the inside because I myself was serving like Martha, but I wasn't sitting at the feet of Jesus myself. I was encouraging everyone else to sit at his feet, but I wasn't because I was too busy. I have a friend who's in heaven now who saw the way I, when I was a youth pastor, he saw the way I was ministering and he pulled me aside and he said, AJ, you're so busy doing the work of the ministry that you're not actually doing the work of the ministry. And he was specifically talking about my family. And like a humble man I was, I hated it. I was so full of myself when he said that. It took days. I didn't tell anyone about it. I was so like, who does he think you are? <laughs> Pride. And when I finally humbled myself and just realized he's just trying to help me, he came privately to me, he pulled me aside. No one knew he even said that. But as a senior saint in the church, which is biblical for senior saints to teach the younger, because I'm super young, and he came to me and he said, you're doing the work of the ministry, but you're not doing the work of the ministry. And I knew he was watching my little kids at the time. And he was thinking, you're going to lose them if you don't slow down serving and begin spending time with them. Our prayer life is vitally important. So here's four quick things and I'm done with regards to prayer. Letter P, just the word is pray. Letter P, make it a priority. Make prayer a priority. I'm not telling you you need to pray an hour before you eat at all. Don't do that. You do whatever the Lord leads you to do, but make it a priority. The word priority means precedence in place or rank. How important is prayer to you? How important is prayer to you? Make it a priority. How about this? Routine. Make it a regular habit. Wouldn't it be nice to have some, if I could use this, spiritual addictions? Can you come over here? No, I, I have not been in the Word, and I'm just, I'm not going to go over there. I'm addicted to the Word of God. I just love it. I long for it. And we're going to get to that letter Y. Letter P, priority. Letter R, routine. The word routine means a regular habit. You ought to have a routine of prayer. For those of us raising children, do they ever walk in on you while you're praying? I used to open my parents' door and my mom's kneeling at the side of the bed. By the way, her health is so bad, she wishes she could kneel at the side of the bed now. If she did that, she'd never get up again. I mean, physically, she just can't. But I'd walk in, hey, mom. And she's praying again. And now that I'm older or sleeping. But one way or the other, she was setting an example. But she had a routine. What about letter A? Abide. Some people have a ritual of praying three times a day. Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, amen. I'm eating, so let me pray. Other than that, we don't pray. Why don't you abide there? It's just you and the Lord, Psalm 91, 1, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Almighty, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the, of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. But you just dwell there. I mean, I'm trying to encourage you to sit and talk to the creator of heaven and earth. That shouldn't even be a topic of discussion. 
She'd be like, I love talking. I can't wait till church is over so I can talk to them. I love our church. I love your church too. I've been here just my second time. I enjoy this. When I pulled in the parking lot, that was very encouraging. We travel the country. A lot of people don't go to Sunday school. Breaks pastors' hearts. Your presence is yes for the Lord, but iron sharpens iron. And just pulling in, I was like shocked. One, I was scared because I thought, did I read the text wrong? It's Sunday school at 830. This is the church hour. I'm in trouble. And then I thought, no, no, no. I read it like 19 times. I was, I was nervous. Sorry on time. But seeing that parking lot like that, I'm tired. I'm all over the country, literally. This year we're going to Maine. Driving, by the way. So if you want to pray for us, pray for a new vehicle. We have 245 or 46,000 miles on a 2006 van. And it's the oil that just doesn't run out. So it's not a complaint. But at some point, it's going to be. All right, anyway. But what about abiding? What about resting in him? Just walking and talking with the Lord. My phone just told me to stop. Letter Y. Priority in prayer, routine in prayer, abide in prayer. And how about this? Letter Y, and I'm done. A yearning. A yearning. The disciples who walked and talked with God, who were used to perform miracles, who saw miracles, um, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're like, I, I don't even know how to pray. Then ask. Like literally ask him. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth all men liberally, and he doesn't take it back. Abradeth it not. So he sits on his throne waiting to walk and talk with you. Every day. Every night. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He's always available. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Sunday school. Thank you for the opportunity we have to walk and talk with God. Wow. What a blessing. I'd ask you to be with the prayer requests that were mentioned this morning, even the funeral preparations, I believe, this week. Lord, you're the God of all comfort. And so sometimes, Lord, we just need a hug. We need a high five, a hug, or a handshake, whatever's appropriate. We need that. And so, Lord, if there's someone here this morning that just needs a hug, help them to get that help. We all need help. It just shows itself in different ways. And, and so, Lord, help us to walk like the disciples did in the wisdom of at least acknowledging they needed to learn how to pray. Thank you so much for the word of God. Be with the next hour, be with the children, classes, all that goes on on the property. Be with Solid Rock in California as they have services here soon. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, AJ, for that challenge. Appreciate that very much. That was a blessing already to be here.